Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnear Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Hey Nate. Hey Justin, how's it going? Oh, I'm okay. What are you doing? I'm studying the Blue Ox lineup right now that we just announced as of the recording of this. Yeah, man, that's exciting. I was uh, kept in the dark intentionally because our manager, Mark Gehring, told me, he texted me like a week ago, he's like, hey, got one of your favorites. And I was like, don't tell me, don't tell me. I just want to wait and be surprised along with everybody else for the announcement. Yeah, it's pretty exciting getting Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. We've had our sights set on getting him to the Blue Ox Festival for a few years now, and I'm glad we were able to line it up. Oh man, I'm so excited. I'm gonna be giddy backstage. I don't know, I might be one of those starstruck moments where I look like a fool in front of him, but um, I can't wait to meet him nonetheless. I think it's okay to go completely fanboy in front of a whole <laughs> field full first. of Blue Oxers. Wouldn't be the first time. Yep. Well, hopefully we do have a whole field full of blue oxers. We're, we got the Pertnir cure has been implemented in hospitals now. Yeah, we hey, everybody, if you didn't know, we solved the COVID crisis. <laughs> no, we didn't cure COVID, but we do appreciate the strides being made to help us get back to a normal life where we can actually have a music festival. We did push the dates to August for all of you who didn't know that. August 19th through the 21st this year, partly to buy us some more time and just increase the likelihood of it actually happening. Yeah, super excited to have this bill announced. Jason Isbell on the 400 unit, Shaky Grave, Sam Bush Band, the String Dusters, Leftover Salmon, Charlie Parr, Molly Tuttle, who I'm super stoked about. Me seeing. too. She's been super busy during COVID too. She's she's always doing live streams and you know cutting things just to put out. I really have been enjoying watching her stuff. Charlie Crockett, Lily May, who we chatted with way back when, when we thought we were going to have a 2020. She's coming back. A little Smokey, Sunny War, Julian Davis in the situation, Nora Brown. Penthouse Prowlers with Tony Trishka. John Stickley Trio, who we played with at that little roadhouse in Northern Illinois, and that was such an amazing show. So fun. Yeah, Arkansas, our buddy is from down in Fayetteville. We played their album release party. Finally, yep. we get to bring them up into our neck of the woods and, and show them the pines. Yeah, we got Barbro, the High 48s. They're going to be doing instrument workshops. Is that right? Yep, I just confirmed with them today. Everyone's still available and, and able to help us out with the instrument workshops both Friday and Saturday mornings, including Man mandolin, fiddle, banjo, and guitar. Looking forward to that. Yeah, bring your instruments, folks. We are also opening up the Backwoods stage. 11 to 6, we're going to do music out in the back, just so we can fill that Friday and Saturday. Featuring Miles Over Mountain, the Thirsty Rivers, a band that we've come to know through our winter string band gatherings at the Cedar Cultural Center, some Minneapolis boys. Dig Deep, Never Come Down, Pitwagon, Eau Claire Band, Katie Pelville and her sons of bitches, Gay Barnett and Doug Otto on the Getaways. You can check all them out on the. Oh, and Good Morning Bedlam, who we will uh, be interviewing. We should play a Molly Tuttle track because she's got a new album out and she's awesome. Yeah, she does a great cover of a Karen Dalton song called Something on Your Mind. Let's hear that right now. 
And that was Molly Tuttle, a song from her new album released August 2020 called But I'd Rather Be With You. Well, another group I'm really excited to see this year at the festival is the Short Round String Band. Their fiddler, Betsy Ellis, played in The Wilders, which is one of Pertnier's early and biggest influences, who really taught us how to work a single microphone and showed us that casual banter and stage antics really works well when done the right way. And also, Betsy's fiddling really influenced my own as well, as I know she had an impact on Ryan Young as well. Let's listen to a bit of the short round string band. Thank you. 
years drawing to a close perhaps mercifully for a lot of us but uh i wanted to uh, maybe highlight some of my favorite music from the year yeah this has been definitely the most bizarre year in music history that anybody alive i think has experienced and yet there's been a lot of people still making music producing videos putting out full albums and singles so let's yeah. uh, let's hear what you got justin what has been sticking out to you this year well if we're gonna stick in the in the genre realm and focus it around blue ox i i have a few uh the jason isbell album reunions that came out was really good tyler Childers put up that cool country squire album and i really have been digging the wood brothers who have been at blue ox yeah, Billy Strings obviously having a huge year, nominated for a Grammy and Americana Awards. He's he's amazing. It's been really fun to watch him skyrocket, you know, and just take off. Deservedly so. Not many people play the guitar better than he does. Uh, but I really, for me, Fiona Apple's album "Fetch the Bolt Cutters." When that dropped, I was just like, "Holy cow! This is this is like an opus." She is she is so creative and so skilled and such a good songwriter. I just I listened to that a lot this year, so I'd probably put that up at my top. I don't know about you. Excellent. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard Fiona Apple's new album yet. I'll have to spin that. I had a great discovery this year. I got into a rabbit hole of watching a bunch of videos that she had put out uh, years past. Sierra Farrell has now joined Rounder Records and she has a two-sided recording that just came out that is just blows me away. She's got a great sound. Her voice is just incredible. So check out Sierra Farrell. Hopefully sometime in the future we can get her up our way to Blue Ox. Oh, you know, I reached out to our bandmates, too. Not that we're too worried about what they think. <laughs> um, Kevin, our banjo player, he listed the Horseshoes album and Sturgill Simpson's Cut and Grass volumes one and two, which are so good. And he's, I mean, it's just... It's amazing. I know, it's such a great concept, too. I'm going to go back and re-record my songs bluegrass style because, you know, he's a Kentucky boy. And, you know, I'm sure he imagined some of these songs as bluegrass tunes, but, you know, had played them in the context of the band he was playing with and his touring band but now he, he gets to go back and rebirth these songs and and boy how do he picks like the best pickers in nashville to join him on the album too that's a good choice from kevin i really have been enjoying sturgill's new albums too uh matt cartier our clogger he said lois pear the perfect plan their album obvious blue ox veterans and good friends of ours the lois pear they're always so busy too whether it's together as the lowest pair or separate and just Kendall and just Travis they just I look to them for inspiration because they're great writers and they are constantly working and that inspires me so that's a good answer from Matt and Jay um, representing the rock the metal chose Mr. Bungle they put out a record this year and I listened to it with him and, and Ryan Young and it totally rocks it's super heavy and really rocking it's it was really cathartic actually to listen to it just like tapped into my my love of of that genre of music and that music it, it's it like it really has a um gosh i don't even know how to describe it it is it, it's got the heavy guitar parts just throbbing 
<laughs> which is what drove me to play that music when I was younger, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is the first album they put out in 20 years. It's the original group plus Scott Ian from Anthrax and David Lombardo from Slayer. All you metalheads out there, it shreds and it's so good. Also, like the title of the album uh, is pretty great too. Yeah, what is it again? The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of great track titles too, like pretty graphic and, and lurid stuff, but fuck it, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, but he wanted to also mention Trout Steak's album, Trout Steak Revival's new album, and The Wood Brothers too. Yeah, send us your favorites, everybody. Tell us we're all wrong, or tell us you agree with us. Give some of your favorites. Let's listen to a song from Good Morning Bedlam before we jump into the interview with them. This is a song called Enough that they produced as a single along with a great music video. A video they produced during COVID. They had people send in snippets and videos. They cast a wide net on their social media and tried to include everybody in the video. And once you see it, you'll understand kind of the concept and the idea behind it. It's pretty, it's pretty uplifting and exciting and good to watch. Swirling wind through my head The wicked whispers that I put to bed Through the mattress I without a thought Woke to find we share a twin size car And I hear it And I see it And I breathe it It echoes, echoes round it Trying to retrace my tracks Hoping to find my way back When the only running was tag When you know being here won't last Leaning low on handlebars When skinny knees were my only scars Never questioned if it were true No need to challenge the love I knew 
trying to retrace my tracks, hoping to find my way back. When the only running was tag, when you know being in won't last. Leaning low on handlebars, when skinnies were my only scars. Never questioned if it were true. No need to challenge the love I knew. No need to challenge the love I knew. Welcome to Good Morning Bedlam. Uh, you guys call yourself a Minneapolis band, is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, maybe you could just do a round of introductions, your names and what you play and kind of, you know, what you uh, what what you do in the band. Uh, so go ahead, whoever would like to start. Sure, I can start. Uh, I'm Isaac. I play guitar and I sing and that's what I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Tori. Uh, Isaac and I are married, and I play the upright bass, and I sing, and I help collaborate on songs. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, my name's Sophia, and I play violin and sing and do the same. <laughs> yeah, right on. And you guys, I, I want to say you all sound so wonderful when you do sing. Um, I've always been uh, a sucker for three parts and just any kind of harmony, but man, you guys sounded so good up at Earthrider when I saw you last month. Uh, and I was, oh, I mean, part of my love of that show was, you know, obviously not having seen live music for a long time, but mm-hmm. really it was mm-hmm. your stage presence and your uh, ability to perform really took me as well. And it was like kind of just what the doctor ordered. I, I mean, it, it was <laughs> so wonderful to be there and see you. I'm sad there weren't more people, but I'm also happy there weren't more people. <laughs> I'm sad that I wasn't there. I, I wish I would have been there seeing live music and, and uh, hanging out with you guys. Yeah, Earthrider has a great setup They with the tent. They really do. Where, you know, it's heated in there, but you still feel like you can keep your distance. And yeah. We were really excited we got to play there. It was nice. And I'm glad that they're doing that. It seems to be mm-hmm. they're kind of holding together a scene up there, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, as I as I picked up your album and I, I began to listen to it, you know, I noticed that on the album you have more instruments, and I'm kind of curious about what the official band membership is. If it's mainly you three, and then you add people as you as you wish, kind of like you you know, because the music in your songs mm-hmm. definitely lends itself to you know more people. I don't know. Maybe you can talk about the inception of the band and how you see it now, or maybe and maybe how you see it uh, in the future. 
Wow, that's a yeah. good question. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we started the band. Sophia and I started it um, a few years back. And after our first season of playing music together, we added a bass player and a banjo player that were really good friends of ours. And then when that bass player stepped down to go to school, that's when Tori joined us on the bass. Mm-hmm. So it's been a bunch of years. But for the majority of Good Morning Bedlam, we've been a four piece. So fiddle, guitar, bass, and then banjo usually. Okay. And we've gone through a couple different banjo players. And then about a year ago, we parted with our previous banjo player. And we were doing a lot of auditioning uh, of, of different players and stuff. And audience members started coming up to us and saying things like, ha, huh, I didn't realize the banjo was gone. <laughs> so we are like, you know what? Let's not add another personality to the band <laughs> in another, uh, right. you know, s- split it up, you know, the money up another way for sure, now, yeah. especially because the three of us really were the creative force mm-hmm. and the band and are the creative force. And so we are the, the, the core group, but we love collaborating with other musicians and that kind of stuff. So when we're recording an album, the ideas just get out of the realm of what we're able to do as three mm-hmm. people. Yes. So... I especially on Like Kings, I think is the album you got. Yeah. Um, on that album, I love, none of us play the cello. So having a cello player hop in on some of those songs just sounds, enhances oh, the, oh. yeah, I know. Thank it's you. Just like, it's what you want. But you, you can't have it every night. But I, I think that the hope would be that in the future, you know, we would stay the core and then being able to bring on, once we get bigger and develop more traction, being able to bring on other players that maybe can play the cello or a multi-instrumentalist that can do a little bit of everything. And absolutely. And that would be really exciting, but it's, it's so fun to, that's what's fun about the studio is we have like so many more colors to paint with. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that album was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. So many people. We do, we do try to keep our rule in the studio, though, is, like, if it enhances what's there, we can add something sure. that we don't play. Mm-hmm. That's, like, what we try to stick to, mm-hmm. yeah. although sometimes we get a little yes. excited. And it's, like, <laughs> we're, we're actually working on some new music right now, and it's kind of, um, it's been an interesting challenge to kind of look at, okay, what is what is the group now with as a three-piece? What have we leaned into? Because we definitely leaned more into that three-part harmony vocal-centric thing once we yeah. became, like, officially a three-piece. And it's it's so easy to kind of lean into that indie pop vibe when you're going into the studio and being like, let's put piano, a full drum set, all this stuff. And then you kind of have to rein it back and be like, okay, we're we're a folk band. Uh, Let's keep keep Mm -hmm. to that. Keep true to that a bit. But discretion represent ourselves well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and discretion is the better part of valor oftentimes. And, you know, and, and it, mm-hmm. it is easy to get carried away in the studio and then your price tag goes up and maybe everything <laughs> yeah. gets muddy. Um, yep. So, I, okay. So you, you true to your folk music form or folk style. I want to ask sort of what brought you to this style of music or kind of where you came from, because when I watched you perform, it seemed, I mean, I'm not making assumptions about your age but um i it just it seems like you guys are incredibly comfortable on stage and maybe that you've had a, a head start on this comparatively you know because i didn't get into even playing an instrument until uh i was in my 20s so maybe you could talk about how you came to where you are and influences sort of in your family and then friends maybe like who brought you to where you are musically and what are your influences mm-hmm. um I guess I'll start because this is yeah this is Tori sorry um 
I d haven't played bass for that long, actually. I I grew up being the theater and wanting to be an actor. Okay. And so I, I was very comfortable on stage. Um, and then my last year of college, actually, I wanted to join Good Morning Bedlam so bad that I their bass player was going to college. So I learned the bass to be in the band. Nice. And, um, oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I think my acting skills came in handy because I just for a while pretended like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> and like, yeah, I look cool. I can I can play a, a play an instrument. So. I think that helped a lot in just having confidence on stage. But something that I didn't really foresee when I decided to become a musician was that it is very different from acting because you are being yourself. You're not playing a character. Sure. And I, I think that some of the best performances that I've enjoyed, like um, the Avert Brothers, something I love about their live performance is that they're inherently, or from my perspective, they're very honest on stage and very real. And I love that. And so just trying to, some nights it's easier than others, but trying to be real and trying to have fun as yourself instead of like having to put up a big wall. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that's where I get my influences from. Um, I have been a singer all my life, so I, I love that. But yeah, that's, that's me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started the band with Sophie a couple years mm -hmm. back. And when I was 15, 16 years old, I was actually playing in like a hardcore band, a metal band. Sure. And like, that's where my roots kind of were at. And I love doing that so much. And then, and then I heard the Avert brothers and it was like, everything just changed. It was like the moment I heard them, I was like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> and, uh, sure. and I was not good at metal music. So it was, it was nice. He was, <laughs> he's, he's I think my, the my parents. <laughs> I was basically a pretty face in the middle band. I just I sold merch. That's an important important position in any band, though. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think my parents were happy about that transition as well. Uh, and so I started playing, like, folk music, and I, you know, no idea the roots of things. And I think that's one interesting thing about, well, I don't want to speak completely for Sophie and Tori, but I know you guys pretty well. Um, but... <laughs> that we kind of came into the scene or into this type of music kind of through the opposite way mm -hmm. that you would think. Like, I don't think any, you know, we didn't grow up listening to bluegrass. We didn't grow up listening to that style of music. And we've come to that music through pop music. So mm -hmm. starting with bands that, you know, are really, you know, acoustic pop bands or folk pop bands, okay, like the yeah. Lumineers, the Head and the Heart. Right. And, you know, from there in, in the Aver Brothers and from there moving on to bands like Nickel Creek and the Punch Brothers, sure. which leads you, you know, all the way back to... Bill Monroe, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Bill Mon I was about to say, Bill Monroe mm -hmm. or Earl Scruggs. And it's like everything we've learned, you know, we really came at it through the opposite way. That's cool. Um, and I think we're all really fascinated with combining the new with the old. Mm -hmm. So we love pop music and we love... But we also love the tradition that's in, instilled in roots music yes. and in Americana. Mm -hmm. And so being able to tr 
do our best to marry those two ideas yeah. is what we're we always get really excited about yeah Great. yeah kind of like isaac was saying with our, our roots being very different from folk i grew up playing violin and i always did classical music and sure uh listened to a lot of jazz growing up and so uh but we isaac and i were in a theater troupe growing up and they listened to they listened to a good bit of folk that isaac was talking about and uh-huh. um yeah that's kind of the <laughs> how i came into it so yeah i mean like i said you're it, it's it's very evident when you're performing that all of you have been performing for a long time. And I don't know if you remember this, but there was a guy at that show in Superior. Uh, he came up to you after the show and he was, he was a little bit more, uh, you know, I wouldn't say aggressive, but he was just more talkative. But I heard him say to you, mm-hmm. you're going to piss a lot of people off. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to remember who this guy was. He was okay. he was just a, a taller dude. He is uh, and yeah, he, but he was really chatty and he was funny also. But I remember him saying, mm-hmm. "You're gonna piss a lot of people off." And and I thought he was. I think he was referring to you know your ability, your your professionalism, oh, and your yeah. style, and just like you guys are. And I I yeah. I smiled a big smile because I totally. While I I understand his his comments. I mean you. you I wouldn't say you're gonna piss a lot of people off, but you are gonna impress a lot of people because, oh. uh, because like I said, your show was so good. But I thought that was really funny, yeah. um, and uh, I wonder, yeah. I wondered if you remembered that or had thought or talked about that yeah. at all. I do remember that. Um, it's funny because at first I'm I'm such a literal person. I didn't quite get the joke. <laughs> I was like, wait, why would we piss you off? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, Worried we're me. also all three terrified. Of <laughs> <laughs> we're very Midwestern. I was like, oh no, we offended you. And then I realized like he was being really nice yeah. um, and being very sweet. Yeah. So, and also I, I think um, something that, I don't know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're so young and you're doing this. Cause he, he was also talking about how young we yeah. were. Um, I, I think it has helped that we took the leap to go full time two years ago so early, oh, yeah. two and a half years ago. And I, I feel like because we started performing so often, I mean, we were performing when we're on the road. I mean, it's different right now, but we're, when we're touring, we usually try to perform six nights a week. Yeah. And that's just, you just get a lot of chances to get a lot of stuff wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, and so the more chances you get to, do terribly the the better chance you get to do well we so. had a lot of chances <laughs> to do ter- <laughs> terrible performing and yeah. oh. the worst is talking on stage yeah. that gets embarrassing <laughs> yeah we suffer from that too that, the list of got it wrong shows might actually <laughs> might actually outweigh, outweigh. <laughs> outnumber the, the got it right shows um <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, you start yeah. making like a mental list of don't say that on stage. <laughs> don't right. Say- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you forget that list when you're on stage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've come to think that the uh, the charm of us just bantering on stage and making fools of ourselves is why people like us. I could definitely see <laughs> that. I think that's true for a lot of oh, bands. Yeah. I think that's true. Well, I mean, it's yeah. there's a give and take, you know. You see bands who don't say anything on stage, and you're like, "Well, did you even enjoy being here?" You know, like, did you have a connection yeah. at all? You know, mm-hmm. and then there's there's bands that spend way too much time talking. Um, sometimes we get, like I said, sometimes we get in that in that rut, you know, waiting for the banjo to tune. Um, <laughs> It's a dangerous mm-hmm. moment, you know. That's an, that's another thing. After becoming <laughs> a three piece, our sets have become 
exponentially shorter <laughs> after yes. losing the banjo. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think that's what's so nice about having banter, like having, you know, us, we also have like the banter kind of thing going on on stage. And it's like, one of us might have a night where we're totally on fire and the audience thinks we're hilarious and the other person is struck like just, no, the audience isn't laughing at their yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then the next night it might be like completely opposite. Yeah. And so like, it's so nice to have other people up there as well, where it's yes. like, there are just some nights where I got to get up near Sophie and be like, I can't do this. <laughs> I, can't I need speak. you yeah, yeah. <laughs> to MC the press. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I've got a couple other things here. Your website says that you are desperate to connect with people through the common human experiences that you write about and the exuberance of your live show. Um, maybe you could talk mm -hmm. a little bit about your desire to connect. I know for a lot of people, it comes from different places, you know, whether it's like mm -hmm. celebration, empathy, commisery. Uh, I'm just wondering maybe where that feeling is born for you. Yeah, I, I guess... I know there are a couple different perspectives on this. I think we all feel it differently. I feel like for me, a big part of performing is afterwards getting to talk to people and understand what has brought them to enjoy the show or like what has brought them to be in the same space as us as we make. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. <laughs> um, and yeah. And, and so I think for what's been hard about COVID especially has been like, you, you know, when you do a, a live stream show, it's a very different kind of interaction. Whereas like some of my favorite memories and favorite points that have happened to me on tour have been when I've talked to someone about their life after a show and just gotten to know people, the vast, wonderful variety of people uh, across the US and a little bit of Canada so far. And, um, and just coming to the point that that's another reason I love folk music is that it, it's very broad and we play broadly in the genre. So we do a lot of different kinds of folk um, within our music and that brings a lot of different kinds of people to our shows. And I love that. I love getting to know people and I feel like it, it brings me a lot of joy when oh, I yeah. get to connect with people over what they thought about the music or like just who they are, like what they do for a living. And I, I miss it a lot right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's really well said. I think that in a lot of ways kind of defines uh, folk music as a genre is the mm. ability for people to approach it from different places in the world, different, mm. you know, ages and, and uh, yeah. demographics. And yeah, I think that's, that's really well said. I yeah, also, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think kind of like what Tori was saying as a band traveling across the U.S., you get the gift of having an excuse to be in a place and people take notice of the fact that you're there. Yeah. Does that make any mm -hmm. sense? Oh, you're, you're there to perform. So, sure. so they're like, oh, you're a person, you're here. And um, you give them something of yourself. And after that, after the show and after you've kind of been in a way vulnerable on stage for a while, mm -hmm. people are more comfortable to open up to you. And oh, that's, absolutely. That's a really cool part of it. And, and I think that happens. There's almost like this weird trust because you're in a place where you're like supposed to open up and be opened up to in mm -hmm. a different way than if you were just traveling across the U.S. on your own mm -hmm. oh, man, and just a stranger in a bar. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely. That's that's a that's a great way of looking at it. I really I really agree with that and maybe hadn't hadn't really framed it that way in my own mind. But yeah, because you are. I mean, 
vulnerable. I mean, your songwriting style, like the songs you write are very, they're very emotive and they're very, Mm -hmm. you know, they're thoughtful and just really filled with feelings. So, I mean, when you talk about your mic, you might be vulnerable on stage. No, I really think that you are, you know, like you are opening yourself up and you're letting people see into your soul, you know, and Mm -hmm. it can be a, a vulnerable spot to be, especially if one of your, you know, it, depending on how things are received, you know. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're being genuine, then you're definitely being vulnerable for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And you know, and and that opens up the ability to connect. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I th- I think that that's one of my favorite uses for music. If there are, is a list of uses for music, <laughs> the yeah. reason why we make music is to sure. share and connect with other people. To yeah. share how we feel or what we've gone through. What are you going to say, Isaac? Yeah, I, w- I was just going to add. Yeah, I think for me, as far as connection goes, I know when I started writing songs that really what I was just writing is just like, I, I think a lot of people just feelings. And I am very emotive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot no of feelings. <laughs> uh, but I, I feel like I've, I've struggled with the untrue assumption that I'm the only one who's felt something. Like that's something that is unique to you yeah that i've struggled with is that certain struggles are unique to me or that and so in writing those songs it's interest it was it's been really interesting to share them out to other people and have other people come up and say oh i felt that too and that brings you know hopefully comfort to other people but also a sense of comfort to to me as well you know to know you know to Mm -hmm. know that you're not alone is like a very it can be a very difficult thing to feel and it's I think very valuable. And so I think that the fact that we, you know, have the chance to be vulnerable and to be authentic with people is like a, is a really special gift for us as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well yeah. said. That actually, that leads me to ask you about the video that you guys came out with in July, the video yeah. for the song enough, which, mm-hmm. you know, if that's not a, a way to connect right there, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's really a beautiful thing. How many people you're able to engage uh, and mm-hmm. to contribute to that video. Can you explain how that came about? It came about out of what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> We saw everything was shutting down and we had like one of those like powwows where we're like we had three days to figure out a direction to go. Like, let's we, figure it out. Yeah. We recorded the single and then we were like, oh no, we can't, what are we going to do? Um, How do you make a music video with no money? With no money and in, a, in the middle of quarantine, in the middle of quarantine <laughs> when you have nowhere to go. And so we, we started brainstorming and we were like, well, what is this song about? Um, and then just realizing that the song was about, it was about us wanting people to know that they are, it's equal parts, at least for me, um, the song is equal parts, like a reminder to myself that I am loved just for being human. And also like a call to say to people that they are loved and enough just for being human. And that those things, um, <laughs> those things are, are both equally happening. And so I, I think out of, I'm talking about the theme of the song and its meaning. Um, we kind of we started asking people for submissions, and it was so fun. It was yeah. So fun. I mean, the video is just it, the video is a true joy to watch. Really. It really is. 
<laughs> that's why I always, when we're talking about the music video, I'm always just like on stage. I always, you want to shy away from saying, watch this video of ours. It's awesome. But I always want to say like, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Like, yes. I love seeing, I love seeing the videos come in from all these different, these individuals that we've gotten to meet on the road and just the sheer. And some uh, we haven't too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, did you just did you just put a call out to everybody on your social yeah. media? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we just put a call out on social media, and then we also like as a band, like people that have been super involved with you know whether they've been hosts, mm -hmm. they've hosted us or booked us or played with us or yeah took us out for breakfast, like right. you know just people that have been kind to us on the road. We just reached out and said, hey, we're doing this thing. Please. We would love to see your face in it. Yeah. yeah. The hardest part was watching Isaac cut them down. <laughs> so I was like, we have to fit all these videos yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody not make the cut? Uh, <laughs> the only reason not make Everybody made the cut. The only reason would be for like technology reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. We reason. had a friend. And I still tried to put them in the squares at the end if there was some reason their main, their mm -hmm. clip didn't work. Sure. Yeah. Like if they shot it in, you know, <laughs> portrait instead of landscape sure. or something. Yeah. We had a friend band of ours send in this great little video of them all like sliding down a slide and we couldn't use it because it was shot in the, in the wrong way. Oh, right. Collectively, our favorite clip was of. What is it called? Ribbon dancing? Yes. <laughs> a, a bell, no, it's the bell, da bell oh, dance. Oh, Morris dancers. Yes. Yes. He's bell dancing. And it's like and it's 10 minutes long. It's, you, it's been, it's, it's such a, a long video. I have a joke he for said. you. <laughs> yeah. Um, why do Morris dancers wear bells? Why? To annoy even the blind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the best part the best part of that video is like the his face of just like his enjoyment of it and also the people walking behind him of like just in the park <laughs> you know i loved it i also love the one with the family that are dressed in rainbow and they all like twirl together in the middle of the road. It was so cute. <laughs> oh, that one, that one's, that was my favorite part as well. I did want you to talk about Like Kings a little bit, because I really think it's a great mm -hmm. album. The music, the production, the album art, you know, mm. the instrumentation, everything about it, I really dig. So maybe you can just talk a little bit about uh, that process. And did you have the songs? Did you write them in the studio or? I wrote uh, a lot of the songs on that record. And um, the <clears throat> we had all the songs ready to go before we went into the studio. And looking over all of them, we kind of wanted to take away, like, what is the theme? If, there, if there's a through line through most of these songs, if there's a storyline, what, what is that main theme? And um, a lot of it is about, I mean, I think family and also uh, freedom, but also just that life can be really difficult in that there aren't always a lot of answers. And so I think that a lot of the songs on there, um, unlike our first album, which <clears throat> in a lot of our songs follow this kind of form of things are really hard and here's some hope or like, here's the answer or here's an answer or something like that. And a lot of the stuff on like Kings was life's really hard and then kind of unfolding that through the song and then saying like, you know what? Life is still hard, sure. you know? Yeah. And 
And there's not a lot of great answers for that sometimes. And all we're able to do is, you know, do our best to live in freedom. And that's kind of what that title is about. And the themes of that album are about is there's a freedom in what we get to do. That's really beautiful, I think. And I'm, you know, the, the one of the first lines from the song Like Kings is uh, trade all of my money for la one last pack of strings. And if you promise to go with me, then we'll take the world like kings. And it's this, this idea of freedom and you kind of get to live like royalty if you're getting to do what you love and you, you're getting to be free to do those things. Mm -hmm. And and how there's beauty within that, even though life is really difficult, mm -hmm. is kind of where the musical themes in the story, the, the themes of the album come in. Tori did, she headed up a lot of the communication with our designers about the artwork to kind yeah. of tie those themes in as well. Yeah, we uh, we worked with a, a design duo called Mike Letts & Co out of Menominee, Wisconsin. And they're just, they're a husband and wife that we met when we played a show at Stout University back when they were going there. Mm -hmm. And it just was like the perfect... I, we're still working with them. They're amazing. Um, and they kind of can read my mind, which is, <laughs> you know, you can like get people who get you. Um, and I showed them all of the first drafts of all the songs and uh, talked through the themes that we had already thought about. And they came up with that preliminary design, like a, a draft of what you see now. I love that it, it's kind of abstract. Like people are like, oh, a man on a horse. Like that, what's that saying? Is this about horses? Um, and I, I like. <laughs> is that what you <laughs> I've had a couple people come up to me and be like, "I love horses." Well, I love this album, and I'm like, what? "Probably." I don't know. Dear Lord, <laughs> songs about horses. Uh, Those are my favorites. <laughs> um, but what? So what it symbolizes for me or for us? But I, I like I like that it's abstract and that people can take what they mm. want from it. There is a soldier on a horse with a white flag and then there there is a snake and flowers at the feet of the horse yeah and also his um, his face is covered up by red by pink yeah. yep uh so what it symbolizes for us is um the the soldier on the horse he's a random soldier not supposed to be anyone specifically it's how we see going after music or after art as like you want to go after it with as much passion and uh, full heartedness as you would go to war with and this this kind of like all in feeling mm -hmm. uh and then he there you have the snake and the flowers because a lot of the album deals with juxtaposition so whether that's musically like with fast and slow or whether it's lyrically with like very dark lyrics with a very happy melody um kind of the meeting of both joy and pain uh. yeah and then he has the flag, the white flag of surrender because we can go at music like we would go to war, but at the end of the day, we're not in control of whether or not we succeed or fail yeah. um, or whether or not we become big or whatever. Yeah. We just have to. It's also about yeah. the juxtaposition again as well with the, yeah. the soldier and he also has the white right. flag. Yeah. He surrendered. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So it's, um, it's kind of, that balancing act and then he has the paint over his face to say he could be anyone and everyone um that we all have that engine in our lives that thing that we're pursuing whether it's family whether it's our job whether it's our artistic passion that at the end of the day you have to go with with your full self but also 
you have to let it Hold go it with at the an same time. Hand. Yeah, it's so that kind of that juxtaposition. And then the reason why there's that circle behind him, kind of like you're looking through a telescope, is to give the audience the feeling of being in a telescope, like being in that space between um, the journey and being home, which is like the plan for the future. It kind of like exploring what it means to be in the present. That's that's supposed to symbolize i don't and that's like a very small detail uh and then when you turn it over you turn the album over to the back it's um the landscape is all opened up Uh, so it's like at the end um you can see the full picture yeah just like in life world view is expanded (laughs) yeah yeah so it's like after after the aftermath you can see the full picture but it when you're in it um it's hard to see anything but what you're focusing on. Yeah, wow, um, that, so that's, that's great. That really, I mean, man, I look at this entirely differently now, and it's really wonderful. Well, it's just, really wonderful yeah, it just struck me as a, as a really beautiful collage. I love the, you know, the multimedia, yeah. the combination mm-hmm. of uh, various elements, like juxtaposing to create different narratives, depending on your, mm-hmm. you know, the impressions it gives, your, inter- your personal interpretations. But I encourage anyone listening to this podcast to look at this piece of art while, while it's being explained, it really is a thing of beauty. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's been in my hand the whole time. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler and Janae Michaelis. They're great. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I'm so excited right now. We're um, starting the process for the next album artwork. So it's kind of we're kind of at the beginnings of another uh beautiful piece of art hopefully so i'm excited for that no i look forward to it absolutely yeah how do you guys approach your songwriting is it something that you said you collaborate uh, the three of you um typically are collaborating together but is there mm-hmm. is it a matter of um like one of you writing more of the the meat of the song and then it being fleshed out by the others or is it is it a collection of ideas that accumulate over time or how how is how is your drive at songwriting and, and producing an mm-hmm. album i would say i probably do the bulk of the writing mm-hmm. i I'll bring in like an entire song and we'll kind of rip it apart and they'll tell me what's terrible <laughs> and uh, what's working and workshop stuff. And, and some songs will come in finished, you know, basically when I bring it in and we add parts. Some songs come in and I think they're finished uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> until uh, these two hear it. And then there are other ones where it's like it's pieces or it's a it's a, a chorus or, or a couple of verses and we and we really workshop stuff. So there are a lot of different ways, but I'd say the main one is that I'll bring, we always say that I, I bring in the skeleton and then we put, you know, we put the meat on the bones. Put the meat on the bones <laughs> after that. So That's together. a good analogy. Sure. Yeah. It's a great analogy. <laughs> Yeah, and it's been really fun over, I mean, the pandemic has not been fun, but it has been fun within this pandemic to have time to, uh, we just have regular band practices, Mm -hmm. more so than we would if we're touring. Because when you're touring, you're just so exhausted. You're like, I don't want to get my instrument out in 9 (laughs) a.m. this morning. Um, And and so it's been actually a huge gift to um, every day have... We try to do like five days a week. We each set aside time just to be creative, and um, that's been a huge gift. It's it's been fun to. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, we wrote that's almost our entire record this yeah. in the last couple of months. That's great. Doing that. Oh, that's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm super envious. I wish that uh, you know we're we're spread across a couple different states, so mm-hmm. band practice has been through Zoom, which oh, is yeah, hard to. That sucks. <laughs> it's hard to work on new music together, yeah. unfortunately. We uh, actually. So I live in Rochester, like an hour and a half south. We've actually just we just set aside two hours every day to work individually. And then it's it's easier for us to come together because it's only an hour and a half, but and there's yeah. only three of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're making use of the uh, the downtime in a productive yeah. way. Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you you did do a tour. I would love to hear about your tour down south and sort of mm-hmm. like what did it look like and what were some differences and did you love it did you hate it did you regret it did you embrace it i mean what were the crowds like what were the what was the scene the first week was amazing and then the second week was completely canceled oh yes (laughs) oh no i would say it was like well a huge positive of the tour was that um some of our the bands that we've been wanting to play with like for instance in superior charlie parr getting to um, open up for him at Earthrider was huge. I mean, because we love Charlie and he's amazing. And so it was just, it's a weird time where people have, are available. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we're able to be like, oh wow, like we could play a show with him. Yeah, One, one interesting thing that came out of it is, yes, everything shut down, but also, the requirements for having a show, like the threshold for having a good show right now is so low. And so we had it two or, you know, I think two or three times, we ended up playing with three of the bands that we always want to play with when we're in their towns. And oftentimes we can't because we're busy or they're busy or whatever. And it's much easier to hit up a friend and be like a friend band and say, Hey, we're coming into town on, you know, on a Tuesday night, we can play a limited cap room of like a tiny amount of people. I know we wouldn't normally do this, but you want to play a really fun, like a show together. And they're like, yeah, we've got nothing (laughs) going on for the next four months. So, um, so we were able to do that with some friends on the way down there. And because it's in the South, we were able to do a lot of outdoor Outdoor stuff. It was so warm makes it really you know a lot simpler mm-hmm. yeah and yeah i i think for me it was like it was nice to get out of my comfort and just get out of minnesota because it's it is strange to be in one place it, now that we've been traveling for two years it's like weird it's a weird feeling to be in the same place for yeah. so long that i was like oh i miss my road family like i miss my i miss the, you know, all the people we used to stay with. Yeah. And I miss, like, like I was talking about before, like connecting with strangers mm-hmm. and uh, random people, too. So it was um, also a huge gift, even through, like, masks and six feet to connect with mm-hmm. others, um, not through social yeah. media. Yeah, totally. like, <laughs> to, like, to in-person connect with people. And people are hungry for yeah. for live music. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Just, like, just like they want to play. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, the attentiveness and like the amount of joy I feel like people were were having at shows was just you know had nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with nobody being able to like do something like that for so yeah. long. It wasn't necessarily even us specifically. It was just yeah. It was so fun to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's too bad that half. And even when everything on. shut down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we started heading towards the Midwest, and it was like every day it kept. We're like. 
like, I guess we'll drive a little further today. I guess we'll drive a little further. And then we're like, I guess we're going home. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. You were slotted. I guess we should explain a bit to the audience. You were slotted to play Blue Ox 2020. And I think we did. We have you lined up on the late night stage or was it the sides? I don't remember. I Okay, but I think either either way, I think our audience is just going to eat you up. Everybody who hasn't seen you is just going to love you. Um, And Mm -hmm. I am very excited to have you this year. Yeah, I really think uh, our audience is going to love you. I want to say that personally, I'm very much anticipating uh, more music from you. Like I said, I really thoroughly enjoy the album. And I want to encourage anybody who's listening to check out Good Morning Bedlam's Like Kings and that great new Enough video. Appreciate you guys taking the time to, to do this. Absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate your, your positivity and your energy. You know, I really do. It, it, it helps, uh, you know, lift me up during all this bullshit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's great to talk with y'all. Life. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I look forward to hearing the new music as well coming out. So we'll uh, we'll chat with you all again. Yes. Yeah, have a good yeah. one. Hey, everybody. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Minneapolis band Good Morning Bedlam. Also, we are so excited that the lineup for 2021 has been released. We hope you are too. If you had tickets last year, you can roll them over to this year. Make sure you check out the Blue Ox website for information about tickets and the full lineup. We will be adding a couple more bands, I think. We love you. We hope you're safe and healthy. Please uh, reach out to us. Let us know how you're doing. And we look forward to hearing from you. All right. I'm going to close the show with one last song from Good Morning Bedlam called The Haunting from their album Like Kings. We'll see you all in the pines.
lion, let me be. me daily and won't leave me alone and if you're saying that you love me say it slow and i need you to show me 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 need you to show me i need you to show me i need you to show me i need you to show cause it's just the back and forth that you know Change a thing may die, then grow Things must change 